always good to hear the testimonies and also be reminded of the privileges that we have in our own country. We can baptize in public and share the gospel openly. Um, so um, this morning we we obviously here because of what Jesus did for us. And most specifically on this day, the resurrection. It is the greatest day in history when Christ overcame sin and death through the resurrection. And that's why Christians meet on the first day of every week, because it was not on the Sabbath that Jesus was raised from the dead. It was on the Sunday, the first day. Um, and, and so Christians all over the world today are celebrating this amazing day. I think Mark 16 verse, from verse 6 summarizes it so powerfully. Um, when the women came to the grave, there was an angel waiting for them. And he said, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. And so today we are celebrating this great day. Friday, Pastor Werner shared with us part of the significance of the crucifixion. What made the crucifixion so powerful and special? The fact that our iniquity, our sins, was placed on Christ. The fact that he became sin, who, who knew no sin, a, a perfect sacrifice. Who knew no sin became sin for us. And that indeed he became a sacrifice. Someone that died on our behalf for our sins. As John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, the sacrifice of God. And so he faced the wrath of God, the penalty that we deserved. And he became sin, suffered, and paid for our sins. And then his final words was, it is finished. And that was Friday. As a matter of fact, technically, it was Wednesday, but nevertheless, his final words was, it is finished. And so he paid the price for our sins. And what is the price for our sins? What is the consequence of sin? It's death. Physical and eternal death. Christ came to take upon himself our sin to pay the price for our sins which is the wrath of God manifesting in death, physically and eternal. The sacrificial system and the law made it very clear to us. The law, the law taught us what sin is, but also so powerfully it taught us what is the consequence of sin. And then the sacrificial system, through the law, showed us the mercy of God. Despite our sinfulness, we can place transfer our sin on an animal that will then pay the price on our behalf for the sin that we have committed and so the entire sacrificial system was a reminder not just of what sin is but what the consequence of sin is 
And so every time you sin, you had to go to the priest, make a confession of your sin as you laid your hands upon an animal, transferring your sin and guilt upon it, and in front of you, that animal would be killed to pay the price as an extension of God's great mercy towards us, that even though we deserve death, something else can pay the price. But even though the law was perfect, it could not make us perfect. And so we continue to make sacrifices year after year. We read so powerfully in Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 1, the law is only a shadow of good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For that, this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, they would not have stopped being offered. For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices was an annual reminder of sins. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Even though the law required it, it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats sacrificed year after year to make perfect those who draw near to him. And then so powerfully, John the Baptist one day stood up. We read in John chapter 1 verse 29, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And last week, Pastor Vanner mentioned 1 John 2 verse 2, for he himself became the preparation for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the world. The sins of the whole world. Jesus so powerfully as he died on the cross, just before his final breath, he shouted out, It is finished. Once and for all, it is over. But how do we know that it was sufficient? How do we know that Jesus' sacrifice was enough? One sacrifice, once and for all? Is that possible? Did Christ really pay for all our sins and its penalty? Was it real sufficient? Was it enough? What will be the proof that sin and death is finally overcome? What will be the proof? Well, you guessed it. The resurrection. The resurrection proved that Jesus' death, his sacrifice, was enough. Because he not only took upon himself our sin, he also took upon himself the consequence of our sin, which is death. And then so powerfully, significantly, awe-inspiring, God raised Christ from the dead as a sign to all of us who believe that that sacrifice was sufficient. It was enough. As a matter of fact, it was not just sufficient for our sins, it was sufficient for the consequence of our sin. Death. And to prove that to us, God raised His Son from the dead. And He is still alive. That is the significance of the resurrection. 
Before Christ came to the earth, we were never sure if sin and death could ever be overcome. Even Lazarus died again. But Jesus did not. Those who believed in God, even though they had faith in God's mercy, they still had to make sacrifices year after year, every single time, because it could not make them perfect. Even when Jesus said it was finished, we, we were not entirely sure. But the resurrection gave us the answer. It indeed is enough. It is finished once and for all. The resurrection proved that Jesus was who he said he was. Did what he said he would do and is the evidence of what he has promised will be ours also. Because what did he promise us? Ultimately, forgiveness, redemption, acceptance, and eternal life. Eternal life with God. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says the following. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have been given a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that what he said he would do, he actually did. And it is, it is finished, sufficient, and real for all of us once and for all. And every time we are reminded of the resurrection, we are reminded of his promises. That we too will be raised to eternal life with God. By his grace, through faith in him. It is our living hope because Jesus is still alive. The resurrection of Christ is the evidence of our faith and hope. The resurrection is the evidence of our faith and hope. It's powerful to have the cross as a symbol of our faith, but it's not the evidence of it. It's not the death of a Savior that is our evidence it is the resurrection of our Savior that is the evidence. One, oh, John 11 says the following. It says, Jesus said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Our faith is based on the resurrection of Christ. The evidence of our faith and our hope. 1 Corinthians 15 puts it this way. Paul writes, he says, Now if Christ is preached that he's been raised from the dead, how do some among you still say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised Christ up whom He did not, it, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not raise. And if the dead do not rise then Christ did not rise. And if Christ did not rise, our faith is futile 
and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we of all men are most pitiable. If our faith is only for what Jesus can do for us in this life, we should be most pitiable of all men. But now, Jesus is risen from the dead. And he became the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also the resurrection of the dead. And so Christianity is not about what we gain in this life. It is all about what we gain for eternity. That makes us different to this world that lives only for this life. How sad it is. We do not live for this life. We live for the life to come. And how we live this life determines how we spend eternity with Him. And so our greatest hope is not what Christ can do for you and me here while we are still alive. Our greatest hope is what He has done for us for eternal life. And so our focus and our treasure changes from what we can gain in this life to what we gain for eternity. And so our treasure is no longer here. But with Him in eternity. The resurrection is the evidence of our hope and faith. As Jesus said in John 3 from verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the, servant in, the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. For whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life so how do we respond how do we respond to this great news this good news of our salvation by God's grace not our own merit not what we have done but everything that Christ has done that Vanna spoke about Friday the fact that he gave himself humbled himself took upon himself our sin our guilt our shame was abandoned faced the wrath of God and died for our sins so that we can be redeemed so that we can be saved so that the sacrifice can be made once and for all for all the sins of the world so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life how should we respond to this great news with faith and worship that's how we respond with faith and worship. Faith indeed in God's word. What God said about his son. And that this sacrifice was made for you. So that if you choose to believe what I say about my son. You too may be saved. How should we respond in faith? In faith to accept what God said about Jesus. And then to worship him. Because now we belong to him. We were bought at a price. That's how we should respond. And what is the purpose of it all? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 says the following, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, 
but for him who died for them and rose again. <laughs> we are not living for a dead God. We are not living for a statue. We're not living for a philosophy. We're not living for ourselves. We are living for him who gave his life for us. And the purpose of it all that is simply this, that we should no longer live for ourselves, but that we should live for him. The purpose of our forgiveness and our redemption is that we should no longer live for ourselves, but live for God. And ultimately, be with him forever. That is the purpose of redemption. Romans 6 put it powerfully from verse 8. He says, but now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The purpose of our redemption is not to live for ourselves anymore, but to live for him. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb so that we can no longer live for ourselves, but that we can live for God. 1 Peter 2 says the following, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This Easter, let us not only believe and worship but proclaim his praises and choose to live for him. May we consider this great day and the price, the cost of our salvation and respond to it afresh, anew, as we are here to celebrate it. Let us take hold of this opportunity to respond to God. How should we respond to this great salvation? In faith and worship. Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul writes, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live uh, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How do we live for Him? Well, that's next week. This week, consider our own response. How shall we respond to such a great salvation? Let us reflect on His death and His resurrection and our response to Him for what He has done for us. I want us to partake in communion this morning if you're here for the very first time or maybe you have not yet collected one of these, can you quickly just raise your hand if you don't have the elements for communion? If you just can raise your hand and the ushers will come and...